De la patrulla de Minos de California. Weather headlines for today, yes. Welcome to the Revenue Generator Podcast, an I Hear Everything production. In this podcast, you'll hear how industry leaders integrate sales, marketing, product, and customer success into a single business unit with a common goal of optimizing their revenue cycle. We'll unearth how innovators integrate data, technology, people, and processes to expedite demand generation and increase recurring revenue. Sit back, tune in, and get ready to meet a member of the Revenue Generation. Here's the host of the Revenue Generator podcast, the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. Welcome to the Revenue Generator podcast, where we members of the Revenue Generation share solutions for how you can integrate your business to optimize revenue. I'm your host and the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. And today we're going to discuss how technology eases the process of scaling an entity. Joining us is Sunir Shah, who is the founder and CEO at AppBime, which is software specifically made for marketing agencies, working with many clients, allowing users to subscribe without using their credit cards. AppBind makes it easy for agencies and service partners to bring SaaS and advertising platforms to their clients without getting client subscriptions stuck on their own credit cards. And today, Sneer, fellow whiskey fan, and I are gonna discuss scaling client revenue through technology. Okay, here's my conversation with Sunir Shah, the founder and CEO at AppBind. Sunir, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Let's talk whiskey. Let's talk whiskey. You know what? We're going to change the name of the podcast. It's going to be the Whiskey Podcast. We're not going to get a lot done. We're going to have a lot of fun. I know, Sunir, by the way, you got a big week coming up. you got a conference you're hosting. So we really appreciate your time. And I'm excited to talk about this topic because I have to say, I have worked with agencies and actually been a vendor for agencies for many, many years. And I know the pain that you're describing what your business deals with. So Start us out by talking to me about the balancing act agencies need to play between margins and client supporting technology. Talk to me about what they're dealing with. So what's interesting is my own career, I've, I've gone between being a consultant and being at the SaaS company side. I mean, I started the marketing team at FreshBooks, I CMO at Olark, started the sales team at Social Text, And I've been also working with agencies from the software side. I've been an agency. It's been an interesting 25 years of my career going back and forth. And things have definitely changed in subscription land. But like, what's the basics? And I'll just get to the bottom line and, and then it explains why everything has to be the way it is. When I was last consulting, I got fired by a client. And that basically taught me everything I needed to know. And this was between when I was at Olark and I started AppBind. What was happening is I was doing analytics. I was doing conversion rate optimization. So not too dissimilar to probably many people listening to this you know, I was doing amplitude and branch and segment and talk desk and installing it. This person was a fashion retailer. He's literally making clothes. He's starting a whole new brand brand line of clothes, building a bricks and mortar store, the e-commerce store at the same time. And I was subcontracted to CRO, conversion rate optimization. Now, I am a computer science nerd as far as he's concerned. I seem to know what I'm doing. He said, you seem to be my guy. Go for it. We had a good rapport, but every Monday on, on kickoff call on the project sync, I say, you need to sign up for talk desk and amplitude and branch segment, all this stuff. And he's like, yeah, yeah, of course, nerd. Whatever you need me to you do. <laughs> sure. But like, did he, did he do any of it? Of course not. Like, he's making clothes in a store and whatever. And finally, 72 hours from launch, he's like, why is there no phone number on the website? Well, that's talk desk. You didn't sign up for it. Blaming the client, right? Always a good move as a consultant. 
And what happened, of course, is I got them on a call. This is every consult, digital consultant has done this. They get the, call, the customer on a video call, make them type in email, password, put the credit card in, invite, click your, click, no, click, click there to invite me. Oh my God, it was so painful. Two, two subscriptions and one of his remaining 72 hours from launch, he had it with me. And this is a, and this line stuck with me because it's true. He said, my plumber, I mean, he was making a store. My plumber is not making me buy my own pipes, Samir. I expected you to take care of this for me. Working with you is 10 times harder than not working with you. And I was like, okay, yeah. I mean, I can't argue with that because that's absolutely a winning argument, right? I should have taken care of it for him. That's what contractors do, right? And it's not just like digital contractors. Every con a plumber would never make you buy your pipes or pumps or valves or flux. Like what the flux is flux. Don't send me a hardware store to buy my own flux. Like, I don't know, right? Or auto mechanic would never make you buy your own carburetor. Or, you know, even, you know, the nail salon on a bride's wedding day, you know, like, do you think the bride is concerned about what shellac? No, every contractor delivers the same thing, whether it's that nail salon on a bride's wedding day, or a plumber fixing your leaky basement, or a marketer fixing a leaky pipeline, right? It's exactly the same thing. They're selling two things, calm to a client who's freaking out. It's the only reason they hired someone outside the organization. They are already late and they already don't know what they're doing, right? They're already freaking out and control. All they want is to get their business back in control, their life back in control, control, the wedding day back under control. And what did I do for this fashion retailer? Nothing. I did squat diddly nothing. And therefore, 72 hours from launch, anxiety through the roof, right? Failure of conditioning. Of course he was going to fire me. And this is actually pretty common. I asked him though, you know, we actually did have a good rapport and he understood what, I mean, he was mad because he was stressed, but you know, we had a good rapport. So a month later, because I had this idea for AppLine in my head, I asked him, you know, you know, how'd it go? Was, yeah, I slowed things down, confused him, should have taken care of it. But like, when did you, I asked him, when did you decide to fire me? And he said, and it still hurts, I hate this story, but it's important. My therapy is your, is your learning, right? <laughs> so he said to me, the first call, <laughs> what? The first call? You decided to fire me. And like, that is some feedback. It's like, don't get me wrong, Samir. It wasn't that I was mad at you at the first call. I'm sorry I got mad at you. I was stressed out at the end. But you asked me for some feedback. And I did think about it, he said. It was actually, I decided, it was the first call that I decided that I can't work with you. It wasn't because you, 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 you know what you're doing. You seem to be the guy, but you start throwing things back onto my plate to do. And I don't know any of this stuff. He was asking to buy like, v, like VWL and like Bayesian optimization, AB split testing stuff. Like, nerd like what does he like what does he know about this stuff he's making clothes that's hard enough it's technically complicated right i'm asking him to buy computer science stuff like that doesn't make any sense right and so he's like i i knew i needed to hire someone internally to take this off my plate i just didn't have time before launch and sure enough that's what he had done in the month you know since launch he'd gone and hired a vp marketing to take this off but i lost the opportunity i mean it was, it was gonna be the cro and then the ads and you know, we would have kept going but this pro this problem is not unique. Like, so what's going on in the consultancy is that they only have to do really a couple of things. Just take care of their clients, solve them calm, bring things back under control, right? But what has screwed them over the last 20 years is subscriptions, you know? Like, it's the only industry where technical contractors cannot deliver the whole solution. You know, even my gardener, landscaper, you know, they're on retainer. They come back every month. You know, I give them a little expense fund to go buy topsoil weeding pesticides. I don't even know what this stuff is. I don't understand plants. I have a nice lawn, right? That's normal. Everyone's used to contracting. You know, you can look to the age of the pyramids as contracts, you know, thousands of human years. You think, you know, that, that Silicon Valley is going to change all of human contracting with subscriptions? No, they just broke it. You know, and I think every consultancy knows this. And like, what's the problem for them? 
I guess I'm going to whinge, but I'll just answer this final thing. But the problem for them is where did they build a sustainable business? Every consultancy, you sell labor, right? And you end up in this thing called the scalability trap, where the more revenue you make every month, the more payroll you must have to fulfill if you're only selling labor, which means the next month, because that payroll is going to turn over, you're going to sell more, right, to cover the gap. This is the only business that cannot grow itself to, to a risk-free, sustainable place, you know? And that's why these agencies can't grow. They have to stay in a place they can control. And the, the solution has always been, I mean, I used to be a systems integrator in the licensed software world when I started my career, is that we would sell systems, not hands-on keyboards. It wasn't, like the, our product is putting everything together and then maintaining it for, for three years. You know, an industrial plumber building plumbing for a bread factory, you know, it's a 10-year contract. They put the pipes in, maintain it, upgrade it, add new, new stuff or new lines of bread, and you know, whatever, that's their contract. They have a long-term relationship with the client. You know, but subscriptions have, have really killed all this. And this is the thing that you know, led me to AppLine. You know, it's a subscription manager for agency, but really for the SaaS companies, which is really where I started, you know, they have to get past, they have to grow past referrals. You know, they have to support other companies building businesses, bringing them into solutions to market. That's how customers want to be served. And if you're saying no to your customers, you're saying no to your partners, or you're just saying no to revenue, which is you know, bad for the SaaS companies too. So that's basically, <laughs> I guess I'm on a rant. Right, but I mean, it's not a Pez dispenser story, right? But it, it's an origin story, really. And it's what's interesting is about a lot of the origin stories that I hear and that are legends in the Valley are very much about these kind of cutesy moments, almost like the meet cute moment. Hey, you know what? This cute idea showed up at my bar and, you know, hey, off we went, right? And what's interesting about your origin story, Sunir, is it was a moment of, frankly, one where you could have blamed the client, could have said it was their fault, right? And you looked inward and said, well, this is a problem for me. And it's a problem for the industry at large. So tell me about how AppBind works in terms of helping folks with this scaling challenge you're talking about. How does it work? Well, it just makes you back, put you in the position again of what your clients expect you to do. They just want you to just deliver the answer. I mean, they don't care about the parts. They care about the result. Like a plumber doesn't tell you about pipes and pumps. They don't care. They'll, you care about a waterproof basement, right? That's the end result. If you know people using lean data, they would just want more customers. It's not that complicated. Generate a pipeline for me. Jobs to be done. Correct. Right? And it's not that complicated. I mean, like all these little tools, I mean, explaining what lean data is, for instance, to a client, you know, it's just a waste of time. You could try it, but it's a huge lift for a potential partner to do when the client, all they knew is this person knows the answer, more customers. Okay, so what AppBind does, it allows you to time and materials invoice these subscriptions. And it's really, really clever. We have something called a subscription order, which is, looks like a time and materials invoice. You put the, the, the apps that you want to buy, you know, put your own services on it. You can mark up by percentage. You can add retainers. You can have setup fees, whatever you like. Present that to the client. The client approves it, pays for it. And very cleverly, we set up this budget, the subscription budget, which is like an expense fund that they extend to you. Right? It's really their money, but it's held in, in trust so that you can run these recurring expenses because if subscriptions are new, they change price. So they can, you can set up like a $2,000 expense fund out of which you can run the monthly charges or whatever it is, ads or you know, lean data or CRMs or whatever you're doing. You, you have a secure place where you feel like you're not in the middle of the financial risk of billing because you have money to spend and it recurs and tops up. And the clients, clients more importantly, know that whatever you build out for them, you know, it's organized in one place and they'll own everything that you build because that's the thing that they're afraid of. It's like you'll own their data, which is something that terrifies them, right? And it provides a nice little place of trust where you as an agency can go, yeah, I can take care of it. And this is one place where everything that I build will own and control, the client will pay for it so that you don't feel like you are at risk 
holding the bag in case the client flakes on you. And it creates that little wonderful moment where suddenly it's no longer about buying individual subscriptions, which is where it always starts. You know, it's always, you know, Facebook ads and HubSpot, whatever, you know. But then what agencies who are on AppBuy realize is once you establish this, this rapport with your client where they can trust you to go ahead and just do more things, you can bring in more and more tools and you end up building systems out. And that system is really about the end result, more customers in this case, right? They don't care why or how, like they don't care if it's Vidyard or StreamYard or, you know, ads or whatever, just more customers is the end result. But then you, you're selling that promise, which is addictive. Like the clients, you know, when I was at FreshBooks. This is why I recognize the problem with the client. We have thousands, tens of thousands of agencies, licensed software, lifetimes of clients, subscriptions, six months, right? And because you basically have to make, when you're doing subscription stuff, the client is learning to do all the stuff themselves. You're going to get rid of you. Now you're managing the system, which is what the client wanted. Do you think they wanted to hire someone internally? They want to get rid of this problem. Put it on your shoulders. This is why it's such a win-win. And such a transformation in a way, but it's actually a return to normal. <laughs> Back to the idea of the plumber and the plumbing. Yeah, it's like the normal thing to do. Subscriptions are the aberration. You know, let's just go back to, you know, you're a system integrator. You know, you're managing not just marketing, you're a more tech agency because everything is tech-based, but you know, it's the same thing. You know, software ads, whatever, just manage it for the client. That's what they want. They don't want to think about it, you know? And I think what's really interesting here, at least for me, Sanira, and somebody who's been around technology for 20 years, have been in SaaS for a bit longer than that. And what's really interesting is that in many ways, you represent the first appearance of a well thought through, or at least a well-intentioned tech stack, right? That's what the agencies and in many cases, the consultants in some cases are doing. Because what you described for the fashion industry was really bric-a-brac stuff, bric-a-brac stuff that you were putting together, right? Enabling the website, and you talked about CRO as a fairly narrow focus, but if in this case, they weren't prepared for the basics, what else is missing, right? So how do you view your role as kind of enabling those tech stacks for those clients? Well, it's the same thing, like just to take the plumber, like, for, like just think your perspective as a customer. You know, every, I use the plumber because everyone has hired a plumber, unless you are a plumber and understand plumbing. It's a thing that we all understand, like, because we all understand we want a toilet that works or a dry basement, but we don't know how they do it. It's kind of you know, magical in a way, like they come, they do stuff and things are good. Right. But like, if you look, if you listen, I mean, I listen on YouTube because I'm interested now in plumbing, you know, they're all the vendors who make the product. So the pipe manufacturer doesn't sell to the client. They sell to the plumber. And there's all these videos about how to use the pumps and the valves and all this stuff marketing to the plumbers, you know, but that's because they're experts, you know, they are truly technical experts and they use their judgment to figure out how to put together a system. And the vendors, interestingly, explain to the plumbers, we build the product and you deliver this service. We build a sump pump, you deliver a dry basement or waterproof basement. You know, we, you know, that's how this works. And so from the client's point of view, you know, they just hired a waterproofing expert. The waterproofing expert knows how to put together a repeatable process to deliver the solution. And the, and the difference between buying an off-the-shelf product right, and a plumber is that every house is different. So you might need a sump pump in this house, weeping towels in the other house, you might need a membrane on the inside, this other house, a French drain here, but the plumber knows all these different solutions and they, they adapt to the a custom solution to the customer, that's the name, right? And that's their job. They're, they're an agency because they take action. That's what agency means, you know, in Latin. They take action on behalf of a customer, customer action, right? That's what they do. And, and that's why these people are really, really important, you know, and no matter what we think in SaaS, I'm still on the SaaS side, you know, we can't deliver a whole, whole, product solution to the client because we cannot customize every possible 
answer for them. They're, every business is different, right? And they need to work with contractors because no, they can, not every business can hire the best of the best, you know? So that's what they're rules. Let's continue with this analogy because I think it's helping people understand. And I certainly love the idea of the plumber showing up and saying, here, here you need to go to the hardware store and here's the plumbing, right? I, I love that analogy, but let's continue that. In many ways, what I'm hearing is the plumber, in this case, you, or sorry, in this in this case, your customers are showing up and somebody's going to their sink and they're, they're turning the water and they're like, every time I turn this water on, water just flows in the floor. And the plumber's like, well, you're missing some essential plumbing. And so you said agency, right? I'm giving you agency to be able to replace an essential part of the plumbing system, right? That's right. And so in many ways, you are giving over your software architecture, your rev tech architecture over to that expert, depending on what level of maturity you have. And so I've got to ask for you, what's your experience been generally speaking about people's recognition that you're leaving behind an infrastructure? The plumber doesn't take the plumbing with them, right? They leave the plumbing in place. It's the expertise, the system integration expertise that they leave. So what's it like you're leaving behind, basically you're leaving behind a tech stack? Well, that's, that's, that's the product. You know, actually I have a good, for the agency. So I have a good story here. So I've been doing these, my own podcast called Agency Connect Podcast. I'm really trying to, I'm a spy. I'm, I admit it, I'm a spy. So, or confused or a dummy or interested. And like, what well, I come from the SaaS side. I mean, I, I tried to build a channel of agencies, right? At FreshBooks and Olark. And I kept trying to like sell, buy software and sell it to your clients with our message. And it didn't work. And so I was like, try, I've been trying to understand from the agencies how they live. And this is what, where AppLine came from. I, like, we need to solve their problems. But so I've been talking to these especially the pandemic, people are re- were really stressed out, right? And there was this HubSpot agency owner, who will not name. And so in the after show, I mean, after you know, after the podcast stops, then the real stories come out, as we all know, right? It's, it sucks. Like, why can you sit on camera? <laughs> so he's like saying to me, you know, this is 2000, uh, this is 2020. And he's like, Senior, what do I own? I'm like, what do you mean? What do you own? Well, I mean, you have your brand, you have your customers, your staff, like you seem to be doing okay. He's like, no, I'm not doing okay. What do you mean? This, I didn't know about the scalability trap. He said to me, every month, my business has to start from zero. I, I couldn't believe that. I didn't understand what he meant because he seemed to have me doing okay. He's like, no, like, every month, you know, I have to either find new clients to replace the ones who are gone or go to all my clients that I've been working with and shake them down for more project work because the only thing we're selling is labor. And if I don't have a, something to work on for them, they're going to fire me. And so I have to always be looking for new work every month it starts again from zero. And if I don't do that, if I don't hustle, the business is zero. I will not make payroll and we will collapse. I'm like, oh, and that's what I learned about. Like, that's when it really like dawned on me, like how important the scalability trap is. It doesn't matter how, how fancy the agencies are. They all feel this way if they don't have a productized service. And to me, because I had built Outline, I was like, you know, just ready to jump down and start and scream at him like grab him by the lapel. I was like, don't you get it? But of course, you know, because he was a HubSpot. He was a HubSpot implementation partner. HubSpot does not have a reseller program, not really. And so, I mean, they train all these inbound agencies around the service, to, around, but they want to hustle on to own the customer. And he said to me, and then this, like, I only got that when he said this to me, senior, senior I mentioned HubSpot, like, what's your deal with that? And he's like, well, no, like, I'm the sprinkles and they're the donut. It's like, what does that mean? It's like, well, I'm the one who convinced the customer to go in and into the donut shop and buy that donut, right? I'm like little sprinkles in the windows. Like, oh, that looks cool. I should get one of those. But who are they addicted to? The donut shop. Right, the HubSpot, the substantial part of it. HubSpot makes, you know, keeps keeps twenty four thousand dollars a year or whatever they're making. I'm only in for six months doing the implementation, right? And I don't own anything. And I was like, oh wow, 
but this is what to me this is the whole thing like when i was 18 you know i worked at a microsoft bar you know and and you know they had a hundred and something developers and the president of the consultancy she said to me Sneer, i was 18 i was a very curious student right she answered any of my questions because i was just like one of those squirrels always asking more stuff she said Sneer, listen we're not selling you i mean yes put your head down and type faster because you're late you know you have to deliver this project but you're, we're not selling your labor you know because you're just a hello what we're selling is a system and so what do you mean well the system is a three-year contract because we're going to service that. But really, that means three years of conversations with that client. So yeah, we're going to do the implementation, we're going to do the training, we're going to do the maintenance, we're going to do the upgrades. But then as we're talking to them, we're going to find more work to do, right? Because they already trust us. And then we're selling another system, another system, another system. And really, clients are not buying you because they don't care about you. They care about having a system in place to build up their business. And that's what we need to be delivering is being a part of a piece of their business going forward and this you know this hubspot agency owner i wish i could and you i had thought about this that's really what you should be doing if you're going to build up the revenue pipeline right you're going to be a revenue generator right for the clients you know that's what you're leaving behind you're, you're not leaving leaving them at all oh you, you want to be positioned that yeah i am here to be your revenue generating system right not the labor but the system i'm going to consistently work on it and if you're only stuck in ads and HubSpot, as most people are, because they don't know how to manage other subscriptions, you're going to get asked because it's going to be like, what's changing? You know, it's going to be TikTok tomorrow. It's going to be podcasts the day after, right? You're going to keep adapting. The internet is a constantly changing marketing machine. You need to have permission to bring in whatever tools are necessary to deliver that result. Otherwise, you know, month, quarter after quarter, you're not adapting to the market, right? But that's what the clients are buying from you is the ability to just know what to do and keep going so they don't have to think about it. You know, it's not like, it's not like they don't want to think about it, but you know, like they can. Like you know, you think a bread making factory doesn't care about its water supply? Of course it does. But do you think it can handle the pumps and check valves? And oh, you know, you think they can handle handle you know the complicated like data enrichment flows and A/B split testing and all this stuff? Nerds, you take care of it, right? You know, that's what they want. <laughs> well, so you're nerd and whiskey fan. We've learned a lot about this, and I really appreciate your time today. Before we we jump out, I, I just want to ask a quick question. That is, if we think about the clients themselves, not your clients, but their clients' clients, are they really cognizant of the fact that these folks are coming in and architecting their rev tech stacks or their whatever tech stack they're working on? Do they realize that? I found there's two cases. One is where you have, if you're selling to other B2B SaaS companies, they're going to have internal staff because they're venture backed. They're not, there's no way they're going to let control their funnel go out, outside their walls. They might hire you because they don't they want to move fast, but they're just using you as a stepping stone to hire internally. Then you're an extension of the internal team, which in your case, you're selling labor. And that's a very effective way to make sales because there's a lot of venture capital money. And so no problems there, but you're not leaving behind anything. But if you're going to more main street companies, and they don't mean small, it could be big. And more more normal size, like more not another tech world, they're less likely to have internal expertise. And there's one more story. So there was a, I met a Magento and Imagine. There's a chocolate factory in New England. This guy was a thousand years old. <laughs> so as he said, I hate being here. Senior, this is in Vegas. It's like, why are you here? Well, I originally hired these whiz kids in Manhattan to build my e-commerce site. Yeah, but they didn't do anything because it was the same thing. They they couldn't buy any subscriptions. So I ended up hiring some college kids, you know, from New England. And you think my kids are better than the kids in New in Manhattan? I stupidly said yes, of course. They're your staff. It's like, no, you dummy. No, obviously the whiz kids, the whiz kids are the smartest ones, right? But who do you think I love? Who do you think I see at the Christmas party? Who are my kids? Your uh, your staff? Yes. So who do I get rid of? 
the Wizards. And who? Do, why am I here in Vegas? Because I support my staff. You know, and so he brought his. He was there in Vegas because these are children. He couldn't let them go to Vegas by themselves. From his point of view, I remember <laughs> he was there training up his own staff, even though they're not the best, because he needed to con- con- get it under control. But do you think he want? He did not want to staff it up because he's a chocolate factory. It's an eighty-year-old chocolate factory. You know, very complicated business. But internet marketing, website development. Do you think they're going to have the best internet marketer and web developers? No, they wanted to h- hire that out because that's a logical thing to do. That's obviously what you would do if you're, you know, or seventy-five years old and worked with contractors your whole life. You know, of course you'd hire it out. But then they failed immediately, right away. They asked the COO of this chocolate factory to sign up for Magento and Yachtpo. I was like, what? Yacht what? I'm like, no, it's ridiculous, right? And so, yes, clients are cognizant and they often want it because they don't have time. They have other things to deal with. They want, they want to own it. That's the key, that they're afraid of you holding them hostage because they've had a lot of agencies hold them hostage. But again, with AppBind, customers always own their own subscriptions. It's a very much about building that trusted expertise relationship with your clients, you know, and, you know, it's so transformative once you can establish that rapport. So that's what we do. Sunir, really appreciate your time today. Thanks for being on the podcast. All right. That wraps up this episode of the Revenue Generator Podcast. Thanks to Sunir Shah, founder and CEO at AppBuy for joining us in part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow. Sunir are going to discuss monetizing SaaS bundles. If you can't wait until our next episode and would like to learn more about Sunir, You can find a link of his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. If you can't wait until our next episode and would like to learn more about Sunir, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes or visit his company website at appbind.com. That's A-P-P-B-I-N-D.com. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, head over to revgenpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter apply to be a speaker on the Revenue Generator podcast, or you can even share your revenue generation questions, which we'll answer live in the show, of course. You can always reach out on social media. Our handle is at RevGenPod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, not quite TikTok, or you can contact me directly. My handle is MarketAdvocate. If you haven't subscribed yet, and want a daily stream of RevGen strategies in your podcast feed. We're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app. And we'll be back in your feed in the next business day. Okay. That's all for today, but until next time, keep cranking because the revenue isn't going to generate itself.